Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. Fantastic, fantastic. We, we talked about last week about the, the special topic. This is kind of a, a one-off for our church. We just finished a series about the life and ministry of Jesus. And I, I felt so stirred in my own soul to bring this topic to our church today. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 5, the title of the message today is simply this, Testimonies from the Tomb. Testimonies from the Tomb. We're going to talk today about breaking the chains of depression and anxiety. Can I have a good amen? Now, let me give some disclaimers before we really unpack the text and walk with this. I know the nature of this message today is going to be a little different. Um, This is a a huge topic. And in all honesty, I'm not going to be able to adequately cover it in 30 minutes, okay? I'm going to do my best to help us as a church take a few steps forward. But how many of you know that even a few steps forward is big, big, big in the end? And I think that the, the Holy Spirit's going to help us. So I'm going to ask you to lean into this today. This was actually birthed several months ago when I'm praying about our church, praying about this community, looking at what's happening in our country. You know, since the rise of COVID over the last six months, you can see there's been a spike in anxiety and depression. And, and it's real, you know. And, and it's important to me that we talk about it in a way that removes the stigma that sometimes comes with depression. Nod your head if you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes it's the, the taboo thing. We don't talk about that in church. I want to talk about it. I feel like we have to talk about it. You know, if, if we don't address it in church, where are you going to find help and hope? Come on, somebody. You know, so I want to remove the stigma that sometimes is associated with anxiety, depression, uh, mental health. And I want to help bring some dignity because, you know, I, I do believe through the help of the Holy Spirit, there's a way to bring dignity to people who are struggling to make life work. All of us go through different seasons and episodes and experiences where we feel broke down or bogged down. Now, in all honesty, this has been a tough week for me just in preparation because I, I'm, my default is happy. I am. I'm happy, y'all. I, I, I wake up happy. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to be awake in the morning. I get up and I'm so happy it drives my family crazy. How many early morning people do we have? Oh, yeah. My dad used to say, son, there are two kinds of people. Those who love to get up in the morning and those who hate those who love to get up in the morning. I wake up happy, you know, food makes me happy. If you invite me to lunch or say, hey, where are we going to eat? I love that question. That's like my favorite question. I think about food, I get happy. Church makes me happy. Uh, This is my happy place. How many of you, you look forward to coming to church on Sunday because maybe it's the only moment out of your entire week that you step into a good place. Uh, Church makes me happy. Food makes me happy. If I'm going to watch a movie, it better have a happy ending. Come on, somebody. Man, don't leave me hanging. Don't beat me down in a movie. You know, I go to bed. And, you know, every night when I go to bed, I've prayed this prayer for years. I say, Lord, if you wake me up tomorrow, I promise you won't regret it. And then I wake up in the morning. I'm like, it's morning. You know, I'm happy. And that's, that's kind of my default. But, you know, the truth is not everybody is happy 100% of the time. We all have moments of sadness, spaces 
of sadness and darkness and difficulty. And, and my commitment to you is this, and here's where I feel like we need to address this as a church, and I want to unpack this in a way that's respectful, um, but also filled with hope. I want Healing Place to be a safe space for people in a dark place. If you're in a dark place, this needs to be safe space. You know, sometimes it's like, you know, well, you know, that place is so happy. That pastor is so happy. I don't even think I belong. Is there even any room for my experience here at Healing Place? Yes, there is. You know, the, the, the church ought to be a place, an environment where you are lifted and encouraged, but it also needs to make room for the brokenness in your life too. We also have to acknowledge, man, that there are some hard stuff. I mean, life is tough, and people walk through difficulty in their journey. And so Mark chapter 5, I think, is a, is a good roadmap that's going to get us a few steps into understanding de depression and anxiety. Mark chapter 5, starting with verse 1. The Bible says this. The Bible says, so they arrived at the other side of the lake in the region of the Gerasenes. Now, this is Jesus. They had just left Capernaum, and they're traveling across the Sea of Galilee toward the south in this region of the Gerasenes. The Bible says, verse 2, when Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the burial caves and could no longer be restrained even with a chain. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrist and smashed the shackles. No one, come on, somebody say no one. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night, he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. Now, I want to give you three simple words that I think are going to guide our discussion this morning. I want to talk about isolation. I want to talk about identification and then I want to finish with restoration, okay? Somebody say isolation, say identification, say restoration. Now, notice here in this text, okay, this, this is interesting. If you know the scriptures, you know the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Mark's gospel is the shortest of all gospels. It's only 16 chapters. And when Mark writes, he speaks directly to an issue. He doesn't develop it. He doesn't embellish it. There's not a lot of language to paint the picture. Like, let's say, the Gospel of Luke. Luke was written uh, uh, by Luke, who's a doctor, and a, a doctor is very thorough and very detailed. Yet, in the shortest gospel, in Mark's short gospel, he dedicates five verses to describe this man's situation. I think that's the Lord reminding us hey, don't just hydroplane over people's pain. Don't just rush, rush past their issues, but sit with them in their darkness. Take time to lean into darkness. Can I have a good amen? And you know, for us as a church, and, and again, my default is happy, and I love this to, to be a happy place, but you know what? We can't just be happy, clappy, sing-song, sappy all the time. Come on, are you with me? We got to pump the brakes if somebody is sad. There is room for sadness in our experience with Jesus. In fact, the Bible is filled with this, and we're going to see this in just a moment. You have an entire book called Lamentations. 
What is lamentations? It's lamenting. It's sadness. It's pouring our hearts. The good news is this. If you're in a dark place, you can trust Jesus with that. There is a a place and a space to bring your hurt and your pain. Now, let me be quick to say this, because I am talking about depression and anxiety. I'm not saying that if you battle anxiety that you're possessed by a demon, okay? Let's clear that up. We're reading here about a man who was demon-possessed, but I'm not saying that if you're depressed that you got a demon in you. Can I have a good amen? I think all of us experience darkness in different ways. Uh, Sometimes that darkness is mental, and it just feels like it's so dark and and difficult in your mind. Sometimes that darkness is emotional. There are feelings and emotions that come along with anxiety. Sometimes that darkness has physiological implications. There are things that are happening in our bodies that we have to pay attention to. But I think all of those, in some respect, have a connection to the spirit realm, and we're going to see how this plays out out uh, for, for this guy living in the tombs. You know, sometimes we walk through seasons of rejection, and that brings darkness into our life. Uh, maybe some of you have gone through a terrible divorce, something you thought would last forever, and now it's gone. Uh, maybe you've lost a child. Someone in your family has passed away, and man, there's been a lot of emptiness in their absence. Uh, Maybe you were abused as a child growing up. Maybe it was physical abuse. Maybe it was sexual abuse or verbal abuse. There are all different kinds of entry points that the enemy would love to, to, to take advantage of to bring darkness into our experience. And here we see this man in the garrisons. The Bible says he was living among the tombs, among the burial caves. He was chained. I want you to think about this. The people of that region, they tried to help him, but they couldn't. They couldn't fix him, so then they tried to control him. And then they they couldn't control him, so they just abandoned him to his own darkness. And sometimes I think as as a church, and I'm not saying this, our church specifically, but as believers, we have a hard time helping those who are in real depression. What do you do with it? Well, I tried to help. I I tried to fix them and I couldn't. Well, then I'm trying to control them and I couldn't. So we don't know what to do with them and we just leave them in their darkness. Can I tell you, God will never leave you in the tombs. I don't know what cave you find yourself in today. Maybe you're in a good place. Maybe you're in the middle of the deepest darkness. But I want you to see how Jesus, he got in a boat and he went all the way across the Sea of Galilee because he had an appointment with a man in the tombs. Jesus doesn't discard you. He doesn't forget about you. He never gives up on you. And as a church, as a body of believers, we can't give up on people either. You know, be careful how you try to help those that are fighting depression. Sometimes we mean well, but we're a little misguided. It's almost like Job. Remember Job and all of his suffering? And he had friends. (laughs) Come on, somebody. He had friends that tried to help him. Boy, they were miserable comforters, were they not? Here's what we got to be careful, church, that if somebody's fighting depression or, or mental illness, that we don't say things like, well, you just need to pray harder. Well, if you just sing louder, or if you just, you know, you need to believe more. If you would believe more, then you wouldn't have all these problems. How many of you know that that's not always true? Can I have an amen for all the honest ones? Or watch that that we don't say, if you take that medication or get that prescription filled, you don't have faith. Be careful. Be careful. 
And, and, and let's watch out that we don't deny their struggles by, you know, if somebody comes to you and says, hey, look, I think I'm depressed. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't speak depression over your life. And we almost create this facade that says that a believer can't walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Are you with me today? Uh, and, and please, God forbid we say that somebody's depression is exclusively because of their own sinfulness. Well, there's got to be sin in your life, and that's why you have anxiety. You know, this has got to be God's punishment on you because you're not living right. How many of you know that's not always true? There's got to be some grace and some common sense that we apply to this topic. If you're taking notes, jot down a few of these. First of all, and, and this is not only for those who are in darkness, but for those who are trying to help people battling darkness. Let me say this. Let someone in. If you find yourself living among the tombs, if you're in a hard season where you feel chained and shackled by anxiety, maybe you feel abandoned by people, would you just make a decision today, I got to let somebody in. You see, community is what you want the least, but it's what you need the most. When you're in darkness, community is what you want the least. But really, healing, the healing hand of God is going to come through a, a variety of ways. And we're going to see that in just a minute. I, I want you to make a decision. Hey, I've got to let a trusted friend on the inside. Uh, or maybe it's a family member you know that will go to battle with you. They're not going to try to fix you. They're not going to try to control you. But they're going to get up in there with you and walk with you in your pain. A family member, a, a, a friend, maybe it's a, a counselor, maybe it's seeing a therapist, maybe it's sitting down with a pastor and unpacking some things. Can I tell you this? If you need to see a doctor, it's okay. Sometimes there are things that happen in our bodies that we don't even understand. How many of you know we are fearfully and wonderfully complex? Maybe there's a deficiency in your body that you don't even know, a vitamin deficiency. Maybe your hormones are out of balance. Maybe your cortisol levels are high. You know, there are things that are happening chemically in your body that you may not understand. And if we're not careful, we'll tell people, well, you can't go see a doctor because then you don't have faith. Can I tell you, God will bring healing. We'll see this. God will bring healing however he wants to. Let somebody on the inside, and then let me say this too, the second thing underneath this thought of isolation is you are not damaged goods. If you are battling depression or anxiety or, or struggling with mental health, you are not damaged goods. I, I've talked to people before that say, Pastor, I'm just so broken. I'm just so defective. There's no way God could ever use me. Can I tell you this? There's a whole lot of people in the Bible who battled anxiety, depression, and even suicide. Can, can, I, can I give you a quick list? Remember the prophet Elijah? The prophet Elijah. How many's heard of Elijah before? Oh, yeah, the man of the hour, God's tower of power, too sweet to be sour. He had some sour moments in his life. After that battle on Mount Carmel where all the prophets of Baal were destroyed, the Bible says he ran from Jezebel and he's hiding from this angry woman and he's, he's under this tree and he's just saying, God, I'm the only one left. I, 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 I'm totally exhausted. I just want to die. The prophet Elijah was suicidal under that tree. We already made reference to Job. Job's tremendous suffering 
Look at all that he endured, everything that he lost, his health, his wealth. Even his own wife said, curse God and die. How many of you know, how many of you are thankful that the story of Job is in the Bible? Oh, Lord, I'm glad I'm not alone. Even David, the great king of Israel. Have you read the Psalms? How many of you like the Psalms? I love the Psalms because the Psalms are so raw. I mean, they're just so real. You know, David would write words like, I'm, I'm, I'm overwhelmed with sorrow. I've cried so many tears. I'm swallowed up in suffering. Read Psalm 69. That's the psalmist David, this man after God's own heart. What about the apostle Paul? Remember, he had a thorn in his flesh. He said, God, just take this from me. Get it from me. I, 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 I can't deal with this. And, and God told him, no, I'm going to leave that thorn right there. But my grace is sufficient for you. And my strength is made perfect in your weakness. You know, even in our weakness, that's the space where God's strength does its best work. Can somebody say amen today? L- listen to the list. I mean, even Jonah. Jonah was angry and ran from God, and he was a prophet. There's a book in the Bible named after him. All of these people, if God can use them and even use them in their worst, can I tell you, God can do something with our lives. You're not damaged good. There's always purpose in your pain. Let let me say this, and then we'll, we'll move on. Please know this, now is not forever. If you find yourself in a season of depression or darkness, you know, depression will lie to you. Can I have a good amen? Depression will say, I'm here to stay. Depression will say, you're never getting out of this. Depression will say, oh, you've you've tried that before and it didn't work. Depression will wake you up in the morning, eat breakfast with you, and ride with you to work. Depression will follow you all throughout the office and whisper lies in your ears. Depression will tuck you in bed at night and say, I'll see you tomorrow. Depression will tell you it's forever, but I know this, God tells us that now is not forever. It may feel like forever, but it's not going to last. The Bible says no one was strong enough to subdue him. You know, there are some battles that only Jesus through you can win. Look at what it says, verse 6. When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him and ran to meet him and bowed low before him. With a shriek, he screamed, why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. Verse 8, for Jesus had already said to the spirit, come out of the man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus demanded, what is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion, because there are many of us inside this man then the evil spirits begged him again and again not to send them to some distant place and not only is the goal of the enemy isolation but I want you to see the second part identification notice what those dark spirits screamed from the man it says, Jesus, son of the most high God, why are you? Now, now notice what it says. These dark spirits identified Jesus by giving him his full name. Jesus, son of the most high God. I think that was a, a tool or technique of intimidation. Consider this, parents, when you correct your kids, how many of you have ever had to call your kids by all three names? How many of you think that your parents gave you a middle name just so that you would know when they called it, you were in trouble? They were exercising that authority. Sometimes I got to say, Trevor Michael, hey man, you better get in here right now. 
You see, these spirits of darkness said, Jesus, son of the most high God, trying to intimidate him. But Jesus flips the script. He says, no, 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 we're not talking about my name. What's your name? What's your name? And that dark spirit said legion. Now, in the Greek, that's translated many. A Roman legion was 6,000 soldiers. He's trying to say, hey, Jesus, there's a whole lot going on up in here, and it's too big for you. Now, why did Jesus force this spirit to identify himself? I believe for this reason, because he's separating the person from the problem. Okay, this is, this is big. Jesus sees a precious brother that is suffering in darkness and he calls out the darkness to identify itself. And he's saying, person over here, problem over here. You see, if we're not careful, we begin to identify ourselves through our problem. Can I tell you this? Where you are is not who you are. Come on, somebody. Now, where you are, you may be in a dark place today. Maybe you are battling anxiety, depression. Maybe you've had thoughts of just ending it all. Where you are and who you are are two very different things. You may be struggling, but listen, you are still a child of God. You know, when you go to the doctor, the doctor will give a diagnosis. He he may say, hey, you have cancer, but he doesn't say you are cancer. Notice the difference. You see, Jesus is trying to bring value to the man by helping to separate the problem from his identity. You see, as long as the enemy can make you feel like a failure, he'll keep you in darkness. Can I tell you this? Just because you fail doesn't mean you're a failure. Just because you're struggling. Good people can be in bad places from time to time. You know, and I feel like we have to get our theology right here. We, we, we can't attach a person's problem to their personal identity. You know, Jesus is trying to get at the root issue here. And this is what I love about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is revealing a problem to solve it, not to make you feel bad. You know, the, the whole purpose in helping to identify what is it that's causing these emotions, these feelings, where is it coming from? Is there a trigger? Is there a deficiency? Is there something generationally that I've been battling? Is it a mindset or mentality? Jesus is separating the problem from the person. Now, let me say this when it comes to identification identify what you're rehearsing, pay attention to what you're rehearsing. How many of you know depression and anxiety will lie to you? And if you continue to rehearse their lies, then you will believe that as truth. But the best way to confront a lie is with God's word. Wait a second. I may feel this way, but God's word says this about me. Are you you with me today? And I know this is where the tension between feelings and faith come in. There is a battle. Feelings will locate where you are, but faith will give you the direction to go where you need to be. Does that make sense? You know, several weeks ago, Rachel stood on this stage. I think it was on a Wednesday night. We were spending some time in prayer as a body of believers. And she talked about her struggle with anxiety and depression. You know, you can be in church your whole life and battle this kind of darkness. You can be a pastor on staff and be depressed. 
You know, I mean, and so I thought it took tremendous courage for her to stand up here and talk about the things that she suffered through. And, you know, uh, there was nothing in her past. There wasn't a specific incident. It just kind of, it jumped on her. How many know sometimes things, anxiety will jump on you. You don't even know where that came from. And she'd say, Mike, I feel like it's like this pressure on my chest is like suffocating me. I, I, I don't know where it came from. I don't know what's causing it. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I'll, try to, I'll, I'll try to read my Bible and, and, and it won't go away. And I just saw her relentless pursuit. She just, and here I'm trying to relate because I, I don't know. And so the, the danger is for guys, what do we try to do? We try to fix it. We, we, we try to solve it. Well, here, just quote three, these three verses and you'll be fine. How many of you know it doesn't always work that way? And you quote your verses and, and then and here comes that, that feeling or that emotion again. And I would watch her wake up in the morning and she'd make her coffee. She'd go back to her bedroom. She'd get on, on that bed and before the Lord, man, she would read her Bible. She'd, she'd quote the scriptures. She'd turn on that worship music and she would just press in through praise and worship. You know, the Bible says in Isaiah 61 to put on the garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. When you feel that spirit of heaviness, there's something about worship, even when you don't feel like it. Come on, somebody. When you don't feel like it. And that's why we got to talk a little bit about feelings. I'm thankful that God created us with the capacity to feel. But listen to me. Feelings are indicators. They're not dictators. Feelings are indicators. They're not dictators. We recognize how we feel. We don't deny it. But then we got to invite faith into the equation. Can I have a good amen? That's why I say do things even when you don't feel like it. Because every act of obedience, regardless of the emotions involved, every act of obedience is spiritual. And when we obey God, how many of you know that's pleasing to him? The Bible says these evil spirits, they bowed before Jesus. They begged him again and again. I'm reminded of this. Whatever darkness is coming against you, the authority of Jesus is greater. They bowed before Jesus, and they begged him, don't send us into some distant space. Can I tell you, at the name of Jesus, even depression has to bow. At the name of Jesus, anxiety has to bend its knee. The name of Jesus is greater than any other name. That's why every day we got to call on the name of Jesus. We got to submit to the name of Jesus. We got to confess Jesus over my family, over my future, over this season in my life. Can I have a good amen? Don't minimize the power of Jesus in the midst of your desperate situation. And let me say this too before we finish. Don't limit the way God wants to deliver you. Don't limit the way that God wants to. We're going to read here in just a second. There's something strange is going to happen. It's going to be a little bizarre. It's kind of hard to explain. But Jesus is going to do something a little unconventional. Can I tell you this? For some of you, deliverance can happen in an altar moment when people are praying for you. That's your moment. For some of you, it's sitting with a, a small group of believers and friends and just being transparent and real, and there's breakthrough. For some of you, it is seeing a doctor, discovering things that are happening in your body, and filling a prescription. God is the source of healing, whether it's the small group, the pastor, the therapist, the, the, the medication. God is the source of healing. Let him heal you however he sees fit. 
Come on, put your hands together if you believe that. Now, let, let me wrap this up. The Bible says that Jesus sends these evil spirits into a, a herd of pigs. And these pigs go rushing off a cliff down in, in, into the water. And actually, two and a half years ago, I was in Israel, and I stood at this very place. It's a very real place. I thought about Mark chapter 5 and, and what Jesus had done. And, and it reminded me that the Bible is not a story of fables. It's a story of real people with a real Savior and real hope. Look at what it says. The man was delivered, verse 15. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus. They saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. And it's a very different picture now. Look, look at how Mark describes him. He was sitting there. He was fully clothed. And he was perfectly sane. They were all afraid. Then those who had seen what had happened told others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs. And the crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. I'm like, for real? You telling Jesus to leave? Man, he's the source of your, your help, your hope, your healing. Please don't run Jesus off. Verse 18, as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus told him, no, go home to your family. Tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. This last portion, I want you to see restoration. The scripture talks about the man who had been possessed. Past tense. The man who, he once was bound, but now he's free. He once was in darkness, but now he sees. And look at what Jesus restored. The Bible says this man was seated. You know what Jesus restores? Your humanity. He wasn't crawling in the caves and the burial tombs, cutting himself like a wild animal. The Bible says he was seated. He was at a place of peace. I believe God can restore peace of mind and peace of soul. God restored his humanity. The Bible says he was fully clothed. Jesus restores his dignity, putting his life back together. Nobody had given him any hope whatsoever, and yet Jesus comes on the scene, restores his humanity, his dignity. The Bible says he was in his right mind. <laughs> he restores his sanity. Some of you feel like, I think I'm going crazy. Everybody else's life is, is perfect, but I'm the only one. Can I tell you, even if you were the only one, Jesus would cross the Sea of Galilee to get to you. And for some of you today, you are here, and it's not by accident. And this message is God's way of reminding you that he sees you, that he's for you. He's not forgotten you. This man says, Lord, take me with you. And Jesus says, no, I want you to go back to your family. See, God will use the pain in your life for an even greater purpose. I want you to go back to your family and I want you to tell them everything that I did for you and tell them how merciful I am. And I just wonder what this guy's re-entry was back home. Scripture doesn't tell us how long he had been in the tombs, how long he had lived this way. I'm sure the whole community knew about this man, had given up on him. But when Jesus came, everything changed. And I can see this dad walking home for the first time in months, maybe years. The Bible says he's clothed and he's in his right mind. And, and he walks up into the house and his boy sees him and doesn't even recognize him. 
mom, mom, you got to get in here. There's a strange man in the house. And here comes mama. And she sees the man that she fell in love with. She had been praying for him. She gathers the kids around and says, no, this is your dad. Night after night, we prayed and believed that, that God would do something. And, and look, kids, you, you got your dad back. Some of you have been praying, I need my mama back. Oh, I, I need my sister back. I need my husband back. I prayed about this moment and said, God, I believe that when you step onto the scene, you can restore everything that the enemy has tried to steal. Everything that has been lost, God, you can redeem it and you can bring it back a hundredfold. God, give us our our children back. Give us that son, that daughter back. And I can see them embracing him because the man they once knew was no longer but the man they had hoped for was here. And for some of you in darkness, it's going to take more than one message to preach, preach to a person out of depression. But maybe today, God's just saying, take a step. And if you'll just step into faith, I believe that everything you need for hope and healing, you can find in him. Amen. You receive that today? Come on, put your hands together if you believe that. Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit healingplacechurch.org.